This is the Reading Instruction Show. I am your host, once again, the happy, the jolly, the genial Dr. Andy Johnson. Topic of today's podcast, or the title, is called Self-Selected Science of Reading, Zealotry in the Guise of Science. Now, science of reading enthusiasts, and I call them zealots, disregard basic scientific principles when it suits their purpose. And yes, I know that statement is a broad generalization. I know it. And I know as well that that statement is unbecoming of a literacy professor. And I know that I should be better than that, but I am not. I'm not better than that. In fact, I'm most likely worse than that. I'm a horrible person, unethical, ignorant, and totally lacking in terms of moral decency. I have a bad singing voice. My underwear drawer is totally unorganized. I keep my eyes open when everyone at church is praying. And in all my years of teaching, I never once said the Pledge of Allegiance. So yes, I am a very bad person. But my one redeeming trait is that I try to the greatest extent possible to use scientific principles when coming to conclusions about things related to education in general and literacy in particular. I try to be a responsible consumer of educational research, and I try to be an objective evaluator of research-based claims. That is my one redeeming trait. And of course, I realize that not every single person who aligns with the current science of reading fad disregards scientific principles. Not literally everybody, not every single one of them. It's a bit of hyperbole, you see, or hyperbole. But from my experience, it seems a great many of them seem to do so. And not All science of reading enthusiasts are zealots, but a great many certainly display zealous behaviors. And if it walks like a zealot and quacks like a zealot, well, it's most likely a zealot. Now, the word zealot was used historically to denote a member of an ancient Jewish sect whose goal was to bring about a world Jewish theocracy. They were fierce anti-Roman resistance fighters who promoted the violent overthrow of the Roman Empire in Judea in the early first century of the Common Era. And today the term is used to denote a person who is fanatical and uncompromising in their pursuit of religious, political, or other ideas, like reading. Now, the term zealot can also be used to describe a person who's unwilling to make concessions or to change one's way of thinking, even when faced with overwhelming evidence. Hmm, I wonder who that could be. Zealotry is the best way to describe the impetus behind the current science of reading movement. While not promoting violence, 
They are promoting an overthrow of public education as we know it. Under the guise of good reading instruction and using a fabricated, manufactured reading crisis, a reading crisis that never was, they've managed to pass laws to disempower classroom teachers, to force them to use scripted one-size-fits-all reading programs that have no basis in real research, but are instead firmly enmeshed in I-thinkisms. These new reading laws force schools to purchase for-profit teacher professional development programs that have no basis in legitimate research, programs such as letters. Now, let's take a look at some principles. And here's the thing. I could live with a science of reading if the science of reading zealots applied the same scientific principles they claim to worship and adore to all of reading reality. That is, if the same scientific principles that they insist be used to determine what is effective reading instruction, if they were also used to establish cause and effect, I could live with their zealotry. But they seem to abandon their cherished scientific ideals when identifying problems and evaluating solutions to problems. When it suits their purpose, they abandoned their cherished ideals. Just look at the reading laws passed by 32 state legislatures. Look at the testimony by so-called experts, and you'll see the word science used a lot. But science is much different from I-thinkisms and anecdotal evidence and personal experiences. Now, I recently wrote a chapter. And when I write stuff, I often post some or all of it online. And this provides me with a good sense of audience and also gives me a sense or enables me to see what ideas seem to be resonating and what people are thinking. And I appreciate all the responses I get from stuff I post online, especially those who disagree with me, because it helps me understand. And sometimes I even change my thinking a bit. But oftentimes, disagreements invite me to go back and revisit and look at reading research to see if I'm correct in my assumptions. But in all cases, I try to respond as respectfully as I can. But recently, I posted an excerpt from a book I'm working on, and the chapter of this book was titled Orton Gillingham, full colon, There Is No Research-Based Evidence. And I got a public response from a person I'll call Z. And I'm including the response in my exchange here because it exemplifies the non-scientific zealotry used to justify the educational malpractice, which is the science of reading. 
Now, in my posting, I pointed out that there was no legitimate peer-reviewed research to support Orton-Gillingham and that it costs anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000 to get Orton-Gillingham certified. And Z replied this way. Z said, I think crappy reading scores for the past three decades tells us that the, quote, do anything you like or nothing at all, unquote, meaning approach is not a good way to look at tier one, two, or three instruction. Here, I'm guessing Z is referring to RTI. And I said, do anything you like or nothing at all. Hmm. I think most people would agree that this is not a good thing. And Z replied, I'll be more clear. Meaning-based approaches are failed approaches. We have 30 years of bad reading scores to prove it. And I said unto Z, Hmm, since 1971, NAEP reading scores have largely remained consistently or risen slightly. And in the 50 years since 1971, there have been differing emphases on skills-based and meaning-based approaches. But even if one agreed that there were 30 years of crappy reading scores, which there were not, to try to isolate the variable to meaning-based instruction is not good science. Z replied back to me, on average, having 40% of our students not proficient is not acceptable, when we know 90% can learn to read proficiently. Since implementing a shift from meaning-based instruction to code-based programs, Arizona has gone from 46th to 28th in the nation. And I thought to myself, but I didn't say it, 46th to 28th in what? What measure? I don't know. But Z went on to say, we still have work to do, clearly. We are in a better place with the shift of instruction. Don't tell me I don't know. I have been in the trenches for 20 plus years, working to improve literacy scores in Arizona. Meaning-based approaches leave 60% of students behind. And that's an interesting aside. I didn't write this, but you know, using numbers and percentages are often used to make things seem more legitimate, 40% and 90% and 60%. You're just making stuff up, throwing things out there. You can't just say that, 90%. Uh, but then I asked Z, what year was the skills-based instruction implemented? A fair question, because she is implying causal relationships here. She's saying that, that uh, meaning-based approaches were causing... 40% of our students to not be proficient. That's what the claim. And that moving to skills-based was making everything better. So I asked, what year was the skills-based instruction implemented? And Z said this. Arizona was completely meaning-based as the Goodmans were at the University of Arizona for decades. Our reading legislation went into effect around 2013, 
Interesting to note, 2013. Districts now have to have a K-3 literacy plan that includes direct, explicit instruction from an approved program and a multi-tier system for students showing the characteristics of dyslexia. All well and good. Now, here's an aside. The Goodmans must be powerful entities indeed if their very presence was impacting reading scores all over the state of Arizona just by their mere presence. And here's another thing, and I didn't say this, but this idea of looking for causal attributes. We can say that, well, since the Goodmans were in Arizona, there were no asteroids that hit the planet Earth. So it must be the Goodmans in Arizona that prevented asteroids from hitting the planet Earth. That's the same type of reasoning. But Z went on to say, we started training our teachers in the science of reading with professional learning based of letters at that time as well. Okay, 2013. Now, the Arizona Department of Education and many districts are providing actual letters training for teachers. Okay, you want to want to live by statistics? Let's take a look at that. And I said, I said, Z, in 2022, Arizona was sixth in the nation in terms of gain scores in NAAP data from 2019 to 2022. Gain scores are not good measures to use for comparison. And that's often used, by the way. If you start high, the potential for gain is limited. And if you start low, you have a much greater capacity for gain. If you started at the 20th percentile and gained 20 points, well, you'd have a larger percentile than if you started at the 50th percentile and gained 10 points. So the NAEP data, National, Association, uh, National Assessment of Educational Progress, that's the data often used to make comparisons because the same type of test is taught over time and from state to state. In fourth grade, there was a statistically significant gain from 1992 to 2022. Statistically significant. That's important. That means the gain is more than could have occurred by chance. There was a statistical significance. So from 92 to 2022, the gain was, uh, there was a statistically significant gain. This must mean that Ken Goodman and a meaning-based approach were successful. However, there was not a statistically significant difference in reading scores from 2013 to 2022. In 2013 is when Z insisted that this meaning-based thing was implemented, or the skills-based. So this must mean that the skills-based approach stopped any gains that were being made by the Goodmans. And again, statistically significant gain from 92 to 2022. 
from 92 to 2013, I'm sorry, from 92 to 2013, there was a statistically significant difference in scores. But from 2013 to 2022, that changed. So that must mean the skills-based approach stopped any gains being made by the Goodmans. When you look at the NAP data, fourth grade reading scores were rising significantly. But from 2013 to 2022, the gains were not nearly as significant. So we can say that the letters, that letters and reading legislation negatively impact the gains that were being made, if you want to use that reasoning. But we know that that's silly reasoning because there are a variety of variables and we can't, we can't isolate the variables. So let's look at the eighth grade data in Arizona, shall we? There were no statistically significant differences from 1998 to 2022. No changes. This means that reading scores were relatively the same. However, there was a statistically significant loss from 2015 to 2022, 15, two years after the skills-based approach was implemented. And if we're to apply the same causal attributes that you are using, this would mean that a skills-based program caused the eighth grade reading scores to go down. But we can't. That would be silly, wouldn't it? Of course, I didn't hear back from Z, and I don't doubt that Z is a good teacher and a wonderful person and an impassioned educator. However, this demonstrates why we must invest in continued legitimate professional development so people understand research and reading research. It keeps teachers from being snookered by the Orton Gillinghams and the Wilson reading systems of the world. Now, I could live with science of reading zealots. I really could. If they applied the same scientific principles that they insist be used to determine what is effective reading instruction to be used to establish cause and effect, but they don't. You can't be just a little science of reading. You can't be semi-science of reading. You can't be science when it suits you of reading. If you're going to wrap yourself in the guise of reading science, it must be applied to all of reading. Scientific principles should be used to understand the reading process as well as to identify problems, solutions, solutions causes, and effects. And not I thinkisms or perceptions or anecdotal evidence or personal experience. That, my quacky friends, is not science. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your congenial host, Dr. Andy Johnson.